Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! It's the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits Radio. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour or possibly more as we discuss everything racing from the past weekend and uh, preview the upcoming weekend. Uh, before we get started, I want to introduce you to the panel uh, in the studio with me today. As always, Mr. Gray Warren. Greg, good to talk to you this evening. Good evening, sir. How's everyone? Wonderful, wonderful. Seth Eggert in the house. Uh, Seth, we missed you the last couple of weeks, but I know you've been off uh, covering various races. We're looking forward to hearing about that later in the show. But, Seth, uh, good evening. Good evening. And then certainly last but certainly not least, Mr. Richard Uden um, with us again tonight. Richard, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Yourself? Excellent, excellent. So, uh, so um, NASCAR's coming off a weekend uh, upstate New York, the I Love New York 355 from Watkins Glen, uh, one of the classic road courses of the United States. Um, and we had uh, talked about it last couple weeks that Watkins Glen could possibly produce a spoiler for the chase here, a, a surprise winner. Uh, but as it turned out, it was the m- most prolific winner of the year, Mr. Martin Truex, uh, who hails from nearby New Jersey, um, that uh, took the win in the race. Uh, it was a bit of a fuel mileage uh, game there at the end. He was able to stretch it a little better than uh, some of the guys close to him there, notably Blaney and Keselowski. Who, you know, Keselowski looked to have a shot at the win there, but uh, came up short on fuel. Same with Blaney. Um, they finished this race at a frenetic pace. Um, the the shortest nascar um cup level race since 1971 uh the 355 miles at the glen clocked in at just a little over two hours 
um, depending on who you believe, at two hours, seven minutes, eight minutes, 12 minutes, but just a little over two hours. And that was the quickest race since, um, I believe, Hickory in 1971. Um, that goes way back. So, uh, so Gray, I know you had a chance to watch all the action from the Glen. So, uh, what are your, what are your impressions of uh, Martin Truex there uh, showing his medal on a road course? Well, I mean, he's won he's won on road courses before, and he's proved that he's one of the uh, one of the top road racers in the business. Um, I was a little disappointed in uh, in the race. I typically, uh, you know, like we talked last week, Watkins Glen has probably the last three to four years has been probably the best race of the season comes down to a, to a, to a really good spirited shootout at the end. And I was a little disappointed in the, in the fuel mileage uh, run uh, this year. And I'm going to throw this out to the, to the rest of the panel. We've seen two road races this year uh, with the new stage format. And of course, typically road races, Strategy is a little bit different than a typical oval race. Uh, it they tend to lend themselves to their own strategy, uh, and I, to me, I think the stage racing that has been added to that has kind of, in my opinion, messed up the show for the, for the road races um, this year. I, I think Sonoma uh, turned out this finish to that turned out to be somewhat anticlimactic, uh, and and I think this one. Uh, at Watkins Glen, turned out somewhat the same way uh, with a, with it coming down to a fuel mileage race and not really, you know, two guys battling it out, you know, uh, for the win. Uh, but but you know, hats off to uh, to the seventy eight team. They 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 played the strategy uh, perfect. Uh, the the kind of you know the race kind of fell into their hands the way it way it played out, and uh, they were smart and. Uh, and parlayed that into their fourth victory uh, of the year. But I'd like to know. I'd like to know how you guys feel about you know what we've seen this year with the two road races, and typically how strategy I think is kind of uh, you know in those races has kind of somewhat backfired and kind of really diminished the racing. Uh, at the road races. Yeah, you know, well, you know, Gray. Oh, I'm sorry, Seth. Let me just real quick, and then uh, then you can jump in after me. Um, no you know, the the thing is that you know, coming from a guy who's grown up watching road racing, uh, road racing almost has natural stages of its own. It does. It, it, it does. So it, so I mean, throwing this the 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 scripted uh, you know or planned stages in there it kind of like right. i said it kind of messed with it. but you know road racing usually has you know you, you know three stints or maybe four stints and you kind of play a different strategy yeah um, on those uh, naturally so so trying to uh, you know artificially put the stages in there yet yeah, to me like you said yeah it, it doesn't make sense uh, you know maybe nascar can rethink that i don't know but uh, i definitely agree with you that the um the, it certainly has kind of like taking something away from the the way a road course naturally unfolds now seth i'm sorry i stepped on you there but go right ahead you're fine you're fine now what i was gonna say is of the three road course races we've had so far the two in the cup series and one in the xfinity sonoma i would almost say was a learning experience for the teams as to how the stage racing was going to play in with the road course racing so that one to me i is a throwaway almost because it was the first time they were running stage racing on a road course. Watkins Glen, on the other hand, I, I've listened to some of the drivers uh, on the radio this weekend 
And some of them were complaining that the tires weren't falling off as much as they used to. So that may have been a little bit more of a factor as well. But um, honestly, I was a little disappointed too. It didn't have as much drama in some senses compared to others. I mean, the Xfinity race, it was the Kyle Busch show. Even though he wheel hopped early in the race, he came back through the field and won by... Think like five seconds or something like that after a green and white checkered. Uh, in the cup race, yes, there was fuel mileage. Yes, there was drama there. But we don't really see fuel mileage that often on a road course at all anymore. So it was somewhat refreshing as well. Uh, the only other thing I can say as far as road courses, or at least Watkins Glen, run the boot. You know, I'm just not a... I'm just not a you know, I, I'm just not a fan of, of a fuel mileage race. I I realize at times, you know, once in a while they're gonna they're gonna come into them, but they they always they do have their own drama. Who's gonna run out? Who's gonna make it to the end? But it they always leave me kind of walking away feeling like, well, wow, that was a dud. You know what I'm saying? As far far as you know, somebody just kind of peddling it and 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 going to that. And I understand the strategy of it, and it is compelling. To, to a degree, but I mean, I like to see guys race, race, uh, two guys race for the checker, like like some of the finishes we've seen, you know, over the last four or five years at the Glen. Like we said, you know, that's that's been some of the some of the best finishes we, we've had. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think you know, pretty much everybody's already touched on. You're almost creating a scenario in in a road race that doesn't need to be created and. You know, we, we've talked about this before, going over the past few years, um, you know, races at the Glen especially have been some of the best on the uh, of the year and certainly highlights now the, the, the ability of all the drivers to, to, to drive these road race uh, circuits. Now, you don't have the, the ringers that you, you used to get so much. You know, all of these top drivers are all more than capable of, uh, of winning on a road course. Um, and yeah, you almost feel like NASCAR are trying to maybe manipulate something that maybe doesn't need manipulating here in road races. Um, yeah, it's kind of art, kind of artificial. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And um, you've had some great races there in the past. Um, I think the the comment you made there, Seth, about running the boot is a great idea. I mean, I think I don't think there's anybody that would be disappointed in seeing that. The only issue is I know this was raised um, by. NASCAR before and their response to that was they don't want to use the boot because that would reduce the number of laps and then spectators wouldn't get to see Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void or prohibited by law. 18 plus Terms and conditions apply. See website for details The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner as much racing. Uh, that was their um, sort of response to the request of to run, um, you know, the longer track. But uh, well, my, uh, what I would say my counter to that is how many laps is the Xfinity race at Road America? 
I know, I know. I'm, I'm just saying to NASCAR, <laughs> though. I mean, yeah. if that's their argument, then why go to Road America with how few laps they run there? I mean, it's kind of counterintuitive to have that argument at one track and then do the same thing at another track. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I, I mean, mean I, I, NASCAR's the only major series that actually runs the short circuit at the Glen, I believe. I know IndyCar now runs the, the full circuit, don't they? And I think the endurance races they have there run the full circuit. So, um, yeah, go for it. I mean, there are other considerations, which I know sound very, very silly. But, you know, from a team's perspective, it would probably need at least another two spotters. So there's expenses there that the teams probably wouldn't be too happy about and all these sort of things to take into consideration. Yeah, I've read a couple of different comments about running the boot. Now, you know, for the record, I'm all for running the boot. I think the boot is the the most interesting and challenging section of that race course. You know, with, with the uphill, downhill, and the, and the tight turns uh, in there. You know, I and you know, I was thinking, I said, well, if they can run this race in two hours seven minutes, why not throw the boot in there and keep the lap count the same, and then then they could have them a three hour race, right? So, yeah, I, I mean. I, Go ahead, Greg. I want, I want, let me throw this in, too. You know, why mess with success? I mean, I love Watkins Glen for the sheer speed of it. Those cars really rocket around that place. They're fast, high-speed, a lot of fast, high-speed corners in the in that race. And I tell you, I think that adds to, uh, adds to the show. I, I, um, uh, I don't know what that would do. I mean, I have seen the Indy cars run the boot and some of the sports cars. I don't know what it would do, you know, with stock cars. I mean, you know, it, it adds a couple other turn, turns uh, to the track. But I think right now the, the setup they got is really good and, and conducive to the stock cars because it gives a lot of different opportunities around that track right now to pass. And, and they do carry a lot of speed, which I think adds, adds to the show uh, at Watkins Glen. You know, you're always going to have people when you do have that extra piece say it. But the thing that really concerns me is is I would like to see NASCAR really take a look at, you know, the stage thing has worked really well at the, at the ovals. But I think, I think it did not work. And I think it adds an element to the race, to the, to the road course race that really doesn't need to be there because those races in and to themselves create, like you said, Frank, uh, you know, stages where people will work, will, you know, essentially like what we've always said, they'll run the race backwards and they'll create, you know, people will pit on different strategies and things like that. But it always seems to, depending on cautions and stuff, even without it, it always seems that brings the field back together toward the end of the race and you, you have really close finishes rather than what we've seen at the two road races this year where, you know, the, the, the leaders won with, you know, second place, nowhere in sight. I think one thing that would help them is if good, and I know there's obviously, you know, they've got to be a little bit careful, there's always caution about this, but I think it would help if uh, if Goodyear bought a tyre that had a little bit more drop-off on it. I think, yeah. uh, you know, the, but I know definitely the Glen and probably going back to um, Sonoma as well, there wasn't really that much drop-off. So, you know, strategy could, wasn't... It was just basically pure strategy. There was no tyre strategy involved in it, which I'm not saying that's a, you know, a, a bad thing, but it's always nice to have that added dimension to it. And, uh, you know, you then start looking at the guys who not who can, um, you know... Manage. Not, not, uh, manage fuel, but also manage... You know, you're right, you're right. You manage uh, 
managed tires as well. Right. Uh, yeah, know, I think I would an extra dimension to it. But I'm, I'm obviously I'm sure that Goodyear are very uh, you know conservative and cautious about uh, about that sort of thing. Yeah, I think tire degradation in any series where you have, I mean, it doesn't have to be you know huge fall off, but any fall off at, at, at all where where like you said, the drivers have to manage manage their tire wear, and it, it adds an extra element uh, to the race as well. And and basically, you're, you're talking about that's the same for everybody, you know, and you're not creating an artificial kind of uh, setup like these stages do on the, uh, on the, it just, it just seems like it just really just throws a, throws something into, to those races that really doesn't need to be there. For sure. Yeah. Ex- yeah, excellent point. So, um, so let's talk about some of the other kind of uh, on track drama we had. So we saw a couple of a couple of drivers have run ins with uh, with uh, one or two. We saw uh, Danica and Kyle Busch got in. I, I, I believe uh, uh, you know yeah, I, I Kyle, a, Kyle, Kyle took responsibility pa- for that one. Right, right. Danica on the radio says, "Now I know why everybody hates that guy." So then, but then later, later in the race, you know, it was it was Kyle and uh, Brad Keselowski who had two of the fastest cars on the day, um, you know, and they they were battling side by side. And both ended up, you know, off course uh, slightly. Um, Kyle very very frustrated. Uh, yeah, I believe he um, he even said that uh, he bet Keselowski better not come around because he'd kill him, uh, which I'm sure was said in the heat of the moment. I'm sure he didn't intend to uh, murder anybody, but uh, but man, that that blew up out of proportion, and and people exploded on Kyle on Twitter, and Kyle exploded back, and and you know it's it's kind of funny because I was I've been Seth, I was telling you earlier I've been watching this on um, NC Sports Network, the um, the NASCAR decades, and they had a whole you know program about the '70s and a whole program about the 80s, and, and there was a whole section on some of these rivalries, you know, between, uh, you know, like uh, Dale Jr. And, and Rusty, and Rusty and Daryl Waltrip, and, and and Dale Sr. and everybody, <laughs> uh, Dale and Jeff Bodine, right? And I, would just, I, I just thought to myself, I said, boy, what if those guys had Twitter back then, you know? <laughs> I just can't imagine what some of that would have looked like. Because well, um, those guys just... Settle it in, well, settle it in the garage, back, so. Well, going back to Kyle's comments, the last time, if I remember correctly, the last time that he threatened to kill someone, uh, we had him and Ron Horday in the truck race at Texas. If you remember what happened that day, when he, under caution, rammed Horday, turning Horday up into the outside wall, and Horday's rear end landed in his windshield. Yeah, yeah. I don't. See, I, I think uh, I don't think you'll see a Kyle Busch do that I, I mean, today. I'm not. I'm yeah, not. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to. Yeah, and of course, I mean, if you remember the legendary um, Keselowski and uh, Carl Edwards, you know the, they end up flipping one another at uh, on the different tracks. Yeah, on different tracks. So, um, yeah, I mean, but, as I don't, I don't see that this culminating into an on-track incident again. You know, it seems like these guys can blow off the steam on social media and and uh, it's it's much more constructive than trying to smash into the guy the next week on the track. You know what I mean? Because uh, that's what we've seen in the past and it just seems like somehow, although 
the uh, Twitter gives them the uh, opportunity to vent and blow off the steam. Uh, it seems like once we get back to the track the next week, everything is everything is hunky dory, good to go. So, well, I, yeah, agree, disagree. Uh, agreed with I agree with you, but I will say uh, two things. One, Kevin Harvick weighed in on this on his radio show, Happy Hours. Uh, his comment was that it w- the incident in general was all on Kyle because this was after Kyle had had a pit road penalty and that he was storming through the field. He's And that Kyle uh, essentially stuck his car on the outside going into the inner loop after Brad had committed to bouncing off of the curb. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that Kevin said was, uh, as far as the phone is concerned, uh, there's a STFU button uh, known as turning off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, now Keselowski uh, vented his frustration not on Twitter. He actually was streaming on Twitch a video game called Player Unknown's Battleground, and he said, "If any Kyle Busch fans wanted to kill him, join him in the game." Well, there you go. <laughs> they can they can kill him figuratively rather than literally. Yeah, so um, it's all fun. But um, I mean, yeah, you know, the, these these road races tend to you tend to get some heated tempers and whatnot. And I think uh, you know sometimes I don't think the sport has enough of that anymore. You know, because again, like I tell you, I've been, I've been watching these nostalgic programs. Um, and just some of the some of the epic rivalries from back then that just escalated, and you know, and you know, of course, famously, you know, Dale Jr. and um, and um, Jeff Bodine were uh, called down to Daytona to sit in Bill France's office in a, in a scene that was recreated for the movie Days of Thunder. Um, but uh, I don't know; it's just. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner the, the side drama uh maybe was more interesting than than the finish of the race this week i just just going back to that uh you know that incident between uh between those two guys you know there, there is a phrase used in motorsport called a racing incident and that's exactly what it was you know you've got two guys there who were you know arguably in the the upper echelons of the current nascar field they're not going to give an inch to each other and the day that they do is the day that they stop racing. And, you know, it, you, you look at the replay again. Kislowski had the inside of the corner, the racing line. Um, you know, Carl Busch was going around the outside. He, he got ahead. But he knows, you know, this guy's one of the most experienced drivers out there. He, he's no idiot. He's no rookie. He'll know that with where his car is, Brad will be on the curbs. And he'll know that when you hit those curves with your front right-hand corner of the car, it kicks you to the left. And that's exactly what happened. And it's like, well, what did you expect to happen? You know, it's a racing incident. And if, if you start having issues with stuff like that, then you stop racing. And as for the comments about I'm going to keep it's pathetic. You know, it's like, grow up. Come on. No. I mean, and under certain circumstances... 
you know, that's almost a criminal offence to, to threaten people in that way. Um, and you, you've got to show a bit more maturity and a little bit more respect. And, uh, you know, I really hope that he doesn't take it out on the track uh, Michigan this weekend or even, you know, in the chase scenarios, as you saw with Matt Kenseth in the past. Now, if I remember correctly, Brad has extended the olive branch, so to speak, uh, through his blog saying or explaining his side of the story and offering essentially a way to make nice with Kyle because this has been ongoing off and on for the past several years. You could go back to 2011 when Brad, or 2010, when Brad came out at Bristol and said, my name is Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch is a... Yes, I remember that. So... (laughs) So where this goes back about seven, eight years, uh, and like I said, Brad's written about it. Kyle just never answered. He, it, it almost seems like Brad, Kyle just does not genuinely like Brad as a person. I mean, I'm not trying to get into that uh, speculation or anything like that, but just the way it comes across at times. Yeah, interestingly enough, you see now that you mentioned about uh, you know Kyle tweeting and Brad writing, um, you know, if just to our listeners, if, if you never had a chance to like read some of Brad's blogs, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty darn good writer, and he's got some really insightful thoughts on a lot of you know a lot of kind of different things NASCAR here and there. And and when I, you know whenever whenever he throws up a new blog and Brad's blog, I always enjoy reading it. And and he's and he's very self reflective on a lot of that stuff too. So if you haven't had a chance to catch it, I mean, whether you're a Keselowski fan or not. It's it's definitely a good read, so I highly recommend it. Yeah, I mean, basically all this stuff to me is much ado about nothing. Like it, 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 you know, it used to in some regards help sell a few tickets because it would create the little rivalry, and it gives a, it gives the sport a little bit of color rather than being this, you know, being homogenized. And I saw an article today uh, talking about some of the young kids they're bringing in to the sport and and you know uh they need to let them have a personality when they come in they don't need to bring have them come in as uh, you know as as robots sit up there and thank all the sponsors and this that and the other and and go on their way they need to have let these guys let that personality come through and i think you know with you know with kyle bush we know we know he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he and he's out there giving 110 percent in the race car you know, and he likes to win, and he's giving you his all. You know, and and it rub. It, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way, but at least you know he's he's out he's out there. You know, giving it his all, and you know, and putting on a show. Yeah, he's definitely passionate about the sport. You, no one, no one can uh, take that away from him at all. You know, his his passion for the sport, his passion for winning shows. Yeah, and. and and you know, and and, and Keselowski, they they all they all do it. So I'm I'm not you know things like this. I think that the media makes a little bit more of it than 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 it is really. But I think you know, like I said, rivalries in our sport are good, and uh, I think it uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, that we need at this at this juncture in the sport. We need to you know to create a little bit of interest, get the fans a little uh, worked up and riled up uh, uh, too. Absolutely, yeah, amen. So, speaking of younger drivers being brought in, like you said, that so so the news broke this week 
that Casey Kane would be out at Hendrick. Uh, we kind of expected that. Um, some thought maybe the Brickyard win would have saved him. Um, I think the, the plans were already, the wheels were already in motion. But uh, so the announcement was made this week that uh, young William Byron would step up to the Cup Series, um, take over that car. Earlier earlier um, in the season, uh, the announcement was made that um, Alex Bowman would step up to take the seat in the 88. Um, that team all already has uh, Chase Elliott um, in the 24, who's a rather young driver. Um, so you've got you've got a team of youth here, along with uh, Jimmy Johnston, seven-time champion, to serve as a mentor to those um, three young guys. So uh, you know, with 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 all this youth on the team, um, I mean, what are your what are your guys' thoughts about uh, uh, the the future of Hendrick Racing? You know, is this is this a good move to have this much inexperience um, on the team? Um, or is it, an, is it an investment in the future, or do you feel like they could use one more veteran on the team? Well, they've got that, you know, the, the veterans they've had on the team, you know, other than Jimmy Johnson, haven't produced. You know what I'm saying? This, this is true. This is true. And so and I, I think, sorry. too, it's, it's a new, you know, I think they're going with a little bit of a youth movement. Uh, you know, we can sit here and debate all day long whether William Byron is ready Personally, I think that he's going to get on-the-job training because the Cup Series is a lot different nut to crack than than the uh, Xfinity Series, particularly now. I think, to me, the Xfinity Series is a little bit watered down from what it's been in past years because of some of the rules they've implemented to keep the uh, the Cup drivers out. But I think that... Uh, you know, we can look back at Joey Logano. He was he was a much heralded young kid when he came along. He goes right, you know, right in a Joe Gibbs car, and uh, uh, you know had some growing pains there. There, and eventually lost that ride, and really came into his own when he went to the Penske operation. And you know, we look at Joey Logano now. He's still a young buck, but because he started so early, you know. Uh, he, he, we look at him as a grizzled veteran now because he's had got so many years experience. I think that it's a little bit of a trade-off. They're going to bring Byron in, realizing this, and and he's going to get on the job training. He's his his first year is going to have peaks and valleys, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna stick with him. But I think, like you said, Frank, it's probably more so an investment in the future. The kid shows promise. He shows talent. Shows that he can be a quick learner, and I think they've just decided to um, to go ahead and do that. Another thing that that I was thinking about, we, we were talking about this off air before the show started. Uh, some of the things, other things that we've seen with with uh, that you know Kurt Busch and uh, uh, Casey Kane losing their rides, and you know this is your Daytona 500 and your Brickyard 400 winner, arguably your two biggest two of your biggest races of the year, uh, those guys no longer in rides. And, and could be, there could be a lot of reasons for that. Uh, obviously, we, we, we pushed the issue that, okay, uh, kind of rego- teams wanting to renegotiate salary and uh, bring in some younger kids. And there could be some other forces at play leading to that. Uh, I'm of the, of the opinion that uh, NASCAR – is under getting under some pressure from the TV networks to renegotiate the TV the current TV contract as it stands now, um, 
and if this does happen, obviously uh, it's going to be for a lower price, and that's going to mean lower revenue for the owners. And I think this is one of the things that you know people are looking at business decisions, and obviously one of the biggest salaries you have is, is the drivers. So um, that could be some of the forces at play sure. uh, and, coming and, to this too. And then the other thing, you know, it's not a secret that Monster Energy is is spending a whole lot less um, than Sprint was, um, or Nextel was, or Winston was before them. True, they, they got true. So, so there's 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 just less money at the top, and you can, like I say, you can, and you see it in the business world. You can you can hire right. some, you can hire somebody very experienced in the business world, uh, but you'll have to pay them what they're worth, uh, or you could pay a young person with a lot of potential a lot less. And and then hope for the hope for the same results or or invest right. in getting those results. So yeah, economics is definitely in play here with uh, with these young guys uh, picking up the rise here because you know and and Dale Earnhardt Jr. spoke about this in in an article I believe that was in I believe it was in Auto Week if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Seth? I, was that Matt, I believe it was. was it a Matt, yeah, Weaver, think... Matt Weaver article. I. I don't remember if it was a Matt Weaver article or not, but I do want to say it was in Auto Week. Uh, yeah, I want yeah, to say so. Matt Weaver uh, spoke with Junior on a radio show that they did with Auto Week, though. You know, let, let me throw in another point there that you made, Frank, about Monster Energy. Monster Energy has has a has yet to come about and pick up their two year option. Uh, too, there's another thing too, and it's. You know, that's one of the things that's kind of out there, too. So that's another thing we're going to have to be looking at, you know, as well. So there's there's a lot of forces at play here. And obviously, it's leading into to really one of the probably more active silly seasons that we've seen in recent in, in recent years. Typically, because most of the sponsor, most of the drivers have are, are, are and the sponsors are tied together. A lot of those contracts run run at least uh, three-year cycles, and we haven't had a lot of turnover lately because we've had, you know, the drivers in these rides with solid sponsorship. Now some of that stuff is up in flux, and I think you're going to see some, some, you know, some driver movement based on the needs of the owner. The owner's going to have to bring in uh, someone that can, uh, that can bring, bring sponsor money in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we saw the same thing. In IndyCar racing, you know, after the split years and the reunification, the, the the money in the sport is just not, you know, not what it once was. You know, back back in the '90s uh, when uh, when there were you know big money sponsors in the sport, there was a whole lot more money to go around. And uh, you know, if you were to compare IndyCar driver salaries to say NASCAR um, salaries, you know, it, it's quite a bit less. And I think NASCAR is going through that same cycle. Um, that uh, IndyCar did a few years ago, where they, it's uh, there's less money coming in, so there's less money going out, um, and you're going to see some of the bigger names are either going to going to walk away or get pushed out, um, you know. And uh, I mean, it is what it is. It's economics, you know. It's it's and unfortunately we don't have the. Uh, in auto race, we don't have the viewership of, of you know, say the NFL or the NBA, where where these drivers can command these these incredible salaries anymore. You know, so it's yeah. it's, it's a different game. Well, yeah, and it's just it's just 
the the change the changing times. It's the like it's the economic climate out there right now. And one thing that we have seen that is that is clearly evident is uh, NASCAR's TV ratings are on the decline. Uh, the the uh, attendance at the racetrack is on the decline, uh, and that's what you know sponsorship and and, and those values are dr- drive the sport. So obviously there's going to have to be some adjustment that's coming either either now or down the road. We inevitably, and I think drive teams, car owners uh, are beginning to see that and are wanting to prepare. Like I said, like I said earlier, I, I'm you know the TV networks went to NASCAR last year and, and kind of really forced their hand, and that's when NASCAR came up with with the. Uh, with the segment format that they introduced this year to see if it could enhance the racing and maybe bring some of the viewers and some of the fans, you know, back to the racetrack. Um, I'm also thinking that, you know, with, with this commitment that the TV, uh, TV uh, partners made several years ago and says, I'm not sure how long, when the, when the current uh, TV contract as it stands was, was due to expire. What, you know, what you, that was uh i want to say it was a 10-year deal that they yeah. signed and that but it but that's i want to say it was signed two years ago so that would make it 20 25 it went in 2020 something but obviously you can't obviously these networks are not going to hemorrhage money you know over the over the second over over half of that period if they're not getting a return on that. So I think, you know, they will do what they can to drive NASCAR back to the bargaining table to renegotiate some of that stuff. And I think that's one thing that, that is, that it, that is out there that is clearly evident that it could, you know, yeah. that that's one of the forces driving some of these things that we're going to see going on this year. Uh, the remainder of this year, I should say. Yeah. And two things. Uh, one, Frank, you were right. It, it is a Matt Weaver article. Uh, that Dale Jr. Uh, was talking about driver salaries. Uh, but second, uh, going back to what you were just saying, Gray, uh, my understanding is that the TV partners were outbidding and overbidding what they expected to make back because they didn't want uh, they didn't want NBCSN and Fox Sports 1 and also Fox Sports 2 to... Uh, Fail. They wanted to legitimize their sports networks. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that was the exact reason, but that would make some sense as to why they overbid. And now they're they may try to scale back, but I don't know if, if the contract would allow them, depending on the wording. Yeah, right. Well, and, see, and, the and big... like I said, well, they can afford. You know, here, here's there's a lot of things they can do to to, to change this, and and I'm sure it's a lot of things. You know, and, and everything is performance driven, and uh, I'm sure there's there's they're they're not going to cut their own throat, and they're not going to hemorrhage money, or you know, then it would NASCAR will have to renegotiate to to some degree because in 2025 or 2022, whenever this thing comes back up, and they say no, we're not doing this, we're not doing it at all, everything comes to a screeching halt. So basically, they've got to work with their TV partner to to some degree, 
And if they want to negotiate, I mean, you got to look at this thing beyond the end of that contract too. You know, to you to to either you know keep them in the sport or you know the whole deal could implode. Absolutely, and you know, Seth, to your point about them legitimizing the um, the second tier networks. You know, the, you know, Fox Sports 1 or 2 or NBC Sports. Uh, you know, that's an excellent point because they, they – those are second-tier um, cable networks, right, where you would have to pay to get the second tier. So obviously they want more subscribers to buy that uh, that next tier of cable service or, or dish service or, you know, whatever uh, to put more money in their pockets. But, I mean, what do you, what do you think Fox spends to have – UFC fighting on Fox Sports One and Fox Sports Two, you know, it's got to be phenomenal, right? But how many people? I would dare that, say, yeah, how many people I would that, dare say their ratings are better for UFC fights. Well, than sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But when you get uh, you figure, that, well, it, that, yeah, if if you're gonna pay for Fox Sports Two, yeah, if you're gonna pay for Fox Sports, you know, one, uh, you're gonna buy enough here to get Fox Sports Two uh, because you enjoy NASCAR racing or because you enjoy UFC fighting. Um, I, I think that's what their thought was with NASCAR that the race fans would be rabid enough to say, "Well, we've got to, we've got to step up um, and get more subscribers." And I think they're finding some of that, but not as much as they had hoped, um, if that makes any sense at all. And the other point I wanted to make, just about economics in the sport, is, you know, there was an announcement uh, made recently: Target is going to be leaving Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, NASCAR. Uh, we knew that was coming after they left the IndyCar um, series a year ago, um, and it's because the CEO of Target is wants to go a different direction besides other than racing sponsorships. Uh, but but as I as, as I look at this, I see how many consumer products are really left in racing. I mean, if you, if you look at the IndyCar series. Almost all of these sponsors are business-to-business relationships. You know, you've got Fitzgerald glider kits. You know, you've got Arrow Electronics. You've got NTT Data. Um, you know, you don't have uh, you know Miller Lights. You don't have Coors. You don't have a Target car, a Kmart car. You don't have a Valvoline car. You know, years ago sponsors were, you know, it's like they put a sponsor name on the car, and the goal was to con- the goal they were goal consumer the, brand. Yeah, the, the goal was to sell either cigarettes, beer, or motor oil. Uh, but but there are there are less mm-hmm. and less consumer, no consumer product, brands. Yeah, there are less and less consumer products in racing. And if you remember, Gray, they used to call the old Bush series. They used to call it the grocery store series. Sure. Yeah, because because yeah. you had the Hellman's mayonnaise car and the you know you had all these consumer products. But but even in NASCAR now, you've got the business to business sponsorships creeping in that are that are you know lesser known so the marketing is the marketing isn't direct to the consumer anymore and it's really changed the profile of racing and it's really it's it's decreased the amount of money coming in you know amongst everything yeah, else so but to draw contrast between nascar and indycar it costs an enormous amount more to run a nascar team than it does an indycar team right now so those sponsors to a degree find it find it uh more conducive to get in IndyCar, those business-to-business style uh, sponsorships. Now, that may come may come to NASCAR, but essentially NASCAR would have to sell more business, has to sell more business partners to, to uh, run their season. Uh, you've got more races. You've got 38 events 
compared to what IndyCar runs. So obviously that's where you see so many more sponsors in, in NASCAR. I mean, t- um, I can speak, you know, at, at RCR, we have over, uh, over 50 uh, partners and you will see the cars run a different livery uh, every week. Uh, speaking of Ryan Newman, you've got uh, Velveeta uh, has come on board to run uh, several races. We've got we've got Granger, we've got Caterpillar, uh, Wix filters, uh, just to name a few that that are on the 31 car, and those are sold in in by races uh, to to total up to to 38 events. Same way with the uh, with the um, um, with the number three Dow car that that is a primary sponsor, but that car runs American ethanol. It runs several, uh, several other sponsors throughout the year. So it's taken, you know, it takes more to run that NASCAR program than it, than it does, but you, you're right. It's, it's going to be, um, NASCAR is really going to, if things are going to tighten up in, in the NASCAR realm as well. Well, yeah. I mean, just, uh, just to uh, piggyback off of Gray a, a little bit, uh, this kind of started, I mean, economic-wise, if you look at all the different partners that each team has, it really started maybe about 10 years ago when Carl Edwards and Roush went from having just uh, one sponsor to having about 11 in one season. And... The only one team that's left that has one sponsor the entire season, Jimmy Johnson. Is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Well, Menards as well. You've got well, Menards. Menards is Menards. Menard, is still, yeah, Menards. Sponsor. Even though they have uh, many of their different products on the car, right? It's Jimmy co-op. Johnson and Paul Menard. Although next yeah. year Menards scaling back. Well, on uh, the Wood Brothers anyway. Well, actually, that probably we don't know the full scale of that yet, but th- I would dare say that Menards will probably be involved. They're probably going to run 14 races with uh, with the Wood Brothers uh, in Menards sponsorship, and I would imagine uh, a good many races of Ryan Blaney's car will be sponsored by Menard too. Hasn't been made uh, public yet, but I'm feeling that's how. Uh, how that whole program is going to go down. Well, you know, John, John Menard and Roger Penske are old friends and rivals. You know, race the Indy 500 together. You'll see the Menards color on Simon Pagenaud's car, uh, five to six races in the Indy cars, you know. So there, there's no reason to assume that uh, that uh, John Menard would not put um, some of his money into Penske's um, um, NASCAR yeah. operation as well. Oh, sure. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, John, be, John Menard be, was one of the, the prolific uh, um, 8,500 underdogs uh, year in and year out. Um, so, uh, you know, and I, and I know he's, uh, you know, his son Paul is uh, involved in NASCAR, but he's, uh, I mean, him and Roger have a, have an old friendship. So uh, I, I think you'll see it's, Menards with plenty of. It's up. pure speculation. Absolutely, yeah. It's pure speculation. But that's a perfect. That's a perfect storm, uh, perfect deal to be put together. Uh, obviously, Menards wanted 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 a stake in in the Penske operation. Uh, I think Roger probably wanted, given the choice, he would he would choose Young Blaney over over Menard, and it kind of worked out for the for the best part. They could put Menard in in which essentially will be a fourth Penske car, 
under the Wood Brothers banner, bring uh, bring Ryan up to a house car, and they and they split the sponsorship up because the Wood Brothers do have do have a tie in with uh, with Ford Motor Company, uh, and they will get you know some of the sponsor with the uh, with the current. Uh, package that they have now with Blaney. So it, it, it's a good situation for Penske, the Wood Brothers, and Menard uh, all the way around. And, of course, that was the first that was the first, uh, the first blow in silly season. That kind of set the tone and kind of set everything off, set, set everything off, you know, everything else in motion. And speaking of which, is there any word on who's going to run the 27? Um Nope, uh, that will be uh, that'll be that'll be talked about at a later uh, at a later date. Richard says that uh, uh, you know Richard has told the told the company that uh, he plans to run three cars and uh, that he's excited about some of the things that are going on, and they will make an announcement at a later date. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some very good drivers available, so uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, they they find somebody. Uh, you know, very fitting for that ride. So, and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this too. The, the, the Go ahead, Richard. The car faces is obviously the, the amount of money that Paul brings to the team probably isn't or doesn't equate to you know one out of three cars. I'm you know without knowing the numbers, you know I, I'm pretty certain he probably brings in more than 33 percent of our uh, sponsorship revenue throughout the season. So. Um, you know, you're right to say there's, there's plenty of good drivers out there who would probably take an opportunity to drive that car. But, um, you know, from the 550 people that are directly employed by RCR, there's um, sometimes you've got to, you know, you've got to think about those people as well and, and how they can actually afford to be competitive. That's true. And, and like I said, it's going to be tough to replace uh, the Menard sponsorship. And it may take uh, again a series of sponsors putting putting a package together to fund the 27 for an entire year. So these are things that the marketing department is working on and trying trying to sell uh, for uh, RCR. So, but I'll say this: a lot of a lot of and I and I can't speak. I don't know for a fact what you know Richard's contract is with uh, with Chevrolet. I can only. I can only talk about my past experience with with other teams I've been with, but in those cases, manufacturers stipulate uh, in their contract with with the team owner how many cars they have to field. And I know when I was with Bill Davis, uh, contract stipulated that with Dodge we had to field two cars, and with Toyota we had to field two cars. So I would assume, and again, this is mere speculation on my part, that that. You know Richard's contract with uh, with uh, Chevrolet would require him to uh, to fill three three Chevrolets next year. Uh, again, speculation, and I'm thinking that you know that's why that, that he's confident that uh, he will put a package together to uh, to run three cars next year. All right. So before we, now Seth, I want to want you to talk about some of the grassroots kind of stuff that you've uh, been at. But before we do. Let's let's talk about next week. We're going to is it Michigan? Yes. So uh, Mi- you want to do some picks for Michigan? I guess whoever whoever wants to go first gets to to pick the the target car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, good old Kyle Kyle Larson has ruled Michigan the last two times we've been there. So uh, 
Who wants the first pick? Uh, I'll take the first pick, but I'm not going to take Kyle Larson. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with the guy who's finished second to Kyle Larson the past three times, uh, Chase Elliott. Excellent pick. That's what I was going to do. That's uh, that's a good uh, good pick. I, I kind of feel like you know he may uh, may uh, shed that bridesmaids role uh, this weekend. All right. Well, Gray, who are you going to pick then? Well, in in in, in view of that, that uh, Seth's got that. I'm going <laughs> to say this is this is always an important race for Ford Motor Company. Right up there, you know, in the in the in the shadow of, of Dearborn, um, Fords have run good there, and the Wood Brothers have had quite the history there over the years and won a bunch of races. I'm going to say Ryan Blaney finds his way back to uh, Victory Lane this weekend. That's a good choice too, man. I was I was kind of thinking that as well. So now, Richard, um, I'll um, I'll just go with Kyle Larson. Sorry, that's me done. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, because it, I mean, we, we left it out there. So, uh, and yeah, um, it's like, what's the phrase? Don't look a gift horse down in the mouth or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And I'm gonna thanks, guys. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna once again I'm gonna once again go out on a limb and say, hey, Joey Logano gets him a win in Roger Penske's backyard there in in, uh, in the Michigan area. A real uh, win. A real win to get him solidly into the playoffs. So, uh, but with no further ado, Seth, I want you to talk about the uh, last couple of weeks of stuff you've been covering. Um, you, you went to, uh, it's, it's the, the cars series. Is that correct? The cars tour, the cars tour, the cars and, tour. Uh, and you saw some really interesting throwback schemes and just kind of take us through it. Um, you know, you've got, uh, all, all the time you need to talk about it. Uh, but to just go right ahead because it's really interesting stuff to talk about on air. So, uh, but I don't want to ruin any of it. So go right ahead. Well, a few months back, the Cars Tour, which is headed by Tony Stevens, announced that they were going to do a throwback 276 at Hickory Motor Speedway. Two 138 lap races, 50 miles each, one for their super late model division, one for their late model stock division. And slowly but surely, teams got on board. They would run throwback schemes. Some had throwback uniforms. Uh, the drivers even wore throwback uniforms. Uh, you had in super late models, uh, which went caution-free, Tate Fogelman took the lead with about 26 laps to go, uh, driving a Sam Ard throwback. And he went to victory lane. Uh, his father helped take care of Sam Ard after Sam's injury, or uh, I want to say that's what he said. Uh, but that was just one of the many throwback schemes. There was a total of 41 cars between the two races uh, entered. Of the 41 cars, 29 ran throwback paint schemes. Uh, you had Deke McCaskill driving a number three Wrangler car. Josh Berry uh, honored Kelly Earnhardt, uh, thanking her for everything she's done for his career, running a number 38 mom and pops throwback to her late model. Tommy Lemons ran a Rusty Wallace-inspired car. Uh, Landon Huffman ran a throwback to his father, Robert Huffman's Toyota Celica 
from the Goodies Dash series. Uh, Dexter Knight ran a Baby Ruth number one car. Uh, Justin Carroll paid tribute to Dick Trickle and Dooney Donlevy in a number 90 uh, throwback car. Brandon Setzer paid tribute to his father. Uh, Justin Johnson paid tribute to uh, the team owner that his father had. Uh, Stephen Parsons ran a Phil Parsons paint scheme. Uh, you just had a lot of different throwback paint schemes. I mean, I could keep going. Lane Riggs, Ty Gibbs, Roy Hayes ran a Ned Jarrett paint scheme. Jared Fryer led a Sterling Marlin paint scheme. Austin McDaniel in a Bobby Allison car. Craig Moore in a Bobby Allison car. Cody Haskins in an Alan Kowicki car. Uh, Nolan Pope in a Richard Petty car. I mean, even uh, the photographer for Speed Sport magazine got into the act of wearing his old Winston Cup uh, uniform from back in the day. Uh, it was just an awesome event. It was a sellout crowd. Uh, they even started selling uh, lawn chair seats up in turns three and four at Hickory. That's how many people showed up. Uh they had a fan fest. They had Harry Gant signing autographs. They had Ned Jarrett signing autographs, Bobby Allison. Uh, the pace car they used, a uh, ceremonial pace car, was Jack Ingram's number 11, a restored Bush Series car. Uh, the race that, honestly, it was the best race I've seen all year long, was the late mall stock car race, which was won by Justin Carroll, who channeled his inner white knight. Uh, their team went all out in the throwback. Not only uh, was it a Dick Trickle paint scheme, but they had a cigarette lighter taped to the dashboard. They had a cigarette taped to the dashboard. Uh, he won in a dramatic three-car battle with Austin McDaniel and junior more sports driver Anthony Alfredo. For 10 to 15 laps, they ran three wide off and on around Hickory Motor Speedway, which is impressive just with how narrow and how short of a track it is. Uh, 0.363 miles. Uh, they And somehow they didn't wreck while running three wide. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, some of the throwback cars were destroyed in the race. Uh, Jared Fryer missed the shift and was spun into Josh Berry and Lane Riggs. Although that one, that wreck was with 45 laps ago. I will say this. Uh, some of the super late model teams, their race already done, jumped into the action to help repair Jared Fryer's car and Josh Berry's car. Jared Fryer, with the help of some super late model teams, changed a radiator in three laps. That's I impressive. I don't know if... I and that I don't know where else I've ever seen that happen, but in three laps they changed the radiator. I mean, that just blew our mind. Uh, Josh Berry, unfortunately, even though he was a championship contender along with Rain, uh, Lane Riggs, Berry, his team, they weren't able to repair his car enough for him to stay on the lead lap. Uh, he actually drove over the hood of Jared Ferrari's car in the wreck, hence the radiator uh and it broke something in the rear suspension uh they ended up finishing about five laps down or so 
but somehow Fryer and Riggs were able to finish on the lead lap. I mean, their cars were absolutely destroyed, and they finished. I don't know how. But uh, it sounds like a lot of fun stuff. I, I do have one question for you, though. Right on the yes. Dick, on the Dick Trickle throwback car. You know, yeah, so you said they taped a cigarette to the dashboard. Yes. Was it a Winston? That I don't know. I didn't <laughs> ask. I did not think to ask about that. But I will say this. I'm going to quote Justin Carroll here. I interviewed him after the race. Uh, he put, uh, and I quote, we even put a cigarette lighter in the card because that's what he, Dick Trickle, had in there. We also taped a cigarette uh, to the dashboard because that's what he used to do. It's just been fun this whole weekend. That's just Dick Trickle's style, isn't it? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, man. Dick and, Trickle, he was one of he was one of the last of the uh, of the old school guys. You know, he, uh, he he. I mean, you've seen uh, if you watch some old clips, you know, '60s and '70s, you see uh, you know, you date David Pearson light up a cigarette hopping out of the car, or a couple of other guys had a cigarette lighters in the car. But Dick Trickle carried this all the way into the mid '90s. You know, so uh, that's a guy we miss in the series. And, uh, uh, it really had a lot of uh, added a lot of color to the to the series. And one thing I do want to say before we move on, Justin Carroll, who won in the Dick Trickle throwback, that was his first career win in the Cars Tour. Of all the races he could win in, not only is it the throwback race, but it's in a Dick Trickle throwback car. The man known for having an estimated 1,000 short track late model wins. Isn't that just fitting? That is that. Yeah, that's absolutely impressive and fitting. So, man, it sounds like you had the best time there. So, Seth, wh- where are you on to next covering? What's what's your next? Uh... Uh, the next Cars Tour race I will be covering is August twenty sixth at Concord Speedway. The race to remember two fifty, and right. that will have both uh, super late models and late model stocks uh, competing in two. Uh, 125 lap races. Sounds like a fun time, man. You know, uh, uh, there's nothing better than watching those, you know, those uh, grassroots level uh, late model guys race. So, uh, so with that being said, let's uh, let's talk about IndyCar for a little bit, okay? So, uh, IndyCar they're off for a couple of weeks here. Um, the next stop's going to be Pocono in 12 days from now or 11 days from now. Um, but uh, in the interim. We've uh, tested at the Gateway Speedway, uh, where they've repaved it. They've given all the drivers another opportunity to. They've given each team the opportunity to uh, send one car to the test. And uh, from all accounts, um, the newly repaved surface is quite racy, and they're looking for a good race. I'm, I'm not sure where the uh, the ticket sales are at, um, but uh, those folks that own the Gateway. Uh, have done a really nice job with that speedway, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's uh, it's somewhere between a short oval and uh, intermediate oval. I think it's 1.25 miles, um, so it'll it'll lend itself to some interesting racing. You know, bigger than Iowa, smaller than uh, you know, smaller than uh, say Pocono or Indy. So, uh, looking forward to that. Also, speaking of Iowa, Iowa is going to be the site of the next test for the 2018 spec car. Um, which will run in the short oval configuration for the first time. Uh, that's going to be this week. It will be open to the public like the last two tests were. Um, 
the ones in mid-Ohio and in Indianapolis, those both went well. High marks for the new car. Looking forward to uh, hearing what comes out of there. So, um, you know, that being said, IndyCar is taking a little time off there. Um, Sebastian Bourdais, I'm still waiting to hear if he's going to be going to run at Pocono or not. Um, you know, because they, they had said Sonoma, then they said Glenn. Now he's he's actually tested the car and cleared to drive. We may see Bourdais at Pocono, so... Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and Formula One also on a long break. Um, and the thing that keeps coming up during the Formula One break is, uh, uh Mr. Fernando Alonso, who seems to be, uh, one of the key players in the, in the, uh, Formula One silly season, um, trying to decide what he wants to do. So, uh, uh, you know, rumors that he was going to run Sonoma at the, uh, IndyCar finale have been squashed by Zach Brown. Uh, Zach Brown called that fake news. Uh, you know, I believe that the only, you know, the only place that has more fake news than Formula One is probably U.S. politics. But, um, but speaking of fake news or questionable news, uh, Richard, you and I were talking. There's a little story that floated earlier today that Lance Stroll might be taking Daddy's money to uh, force India. Uh, do you think there's anything to that, or? Or do you think Lance is uh, better off to stay where he's at? So we talked about this earlier, so I just wanted to just open up that conversation again. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if this isn't one of those, um, you know, you see a lot of sports agents putting their client out, saying, oh, you know, so-and-so wants to go and join another team to to get a better contract or to give, uh, you know, in this case, give Williams a bit of a, you know, come on, lads. You know, we, we need to be doing a little bit better than this. Because they, they probably have slightly underperformed. Uh, I think that's, that's a fair comment uh, this year compared to some of the teams like uh, Force India, and obviously they're, they're looking, you know, over their shoulders and see Renault, you know, coming on the horizon, and and sort of McLaren and Honda probably aren't a million miles away from them either, especially after their pretty uh, pretty poor showing at uh, the Hungara Ring a couple of weeks ago there. Um, uh, but in all fairness, I think that. From Lance Stroll's perspective, I think he's in a pretty good place. Um, you know, VJ Malia, that whole system uh, and setup there is pretty shaky at times. I mean, he's not even allowed in his own country because otherwise he'll get arrested. So um, he's got to be a little bit careful there. And they're on about trying to change their name to sort of Force One Racing or something, I think was the word, was the name being banded around. So. There's, you know, even harking back to the Eddie Jordan days, that team's always been a little bit, a uh, little bit on the fly. So I think from Lance's position, he's got a pretty good gig going at Williams there. That he's bringing some money to the team. Um, you know, he, that drive's going to be his pretty much as long as he wants. And he has stepped up the last few races since the Canadian Grand Prix where he got his points, and then uh, that wild race in Azerbaijan where he managed to get on the podium. I think he's had a pretty good, uh, pretty good few races. So. I think uh, he, he's gaining that um, you know bit of confidence and a bit of momentum, and I think I think he's, you know these stories. I say they're probably fake news, one of a better word. Yeah. So all right. So what about what about the story that that Vettel doesn't want to sign a three year contract with Ferrari because he'd rather sign a one contract because he thinks uh, Lewis's seat at uh, McLaren might be open in a year. Have, have you read that one? I haven't heard that, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think that with Ferrari, you never really know what you're going to get. Um, 
you know, the, the gone of the, the Schumacher era of the early 2000s, that dominant mould, and there's no doubt that Vitelli's one of the top drivers out there, and, you know, he wants to keep his options open, and there's no denying that, uh, and you can't blame him for that. Um, and again, it's a little bit of posturing between agents and all this sort of trying to trying to get the best deal for their guys and at the end of the day get the best deal for themselves so um it wouldn't surprise me if there's there's not talk of you know one year two year extension rather than a three four year extension i mean obviously ferrari wants to try and keep some of the talent as long as possible but if you know there's no guarantees that ferrari are going to be able to produce a championship for him i'm sure uh, Sebastian looks at um, you know the Alonso case and you know, potentially the similarities between Fernando's career and Sebastian's career are, are, are quite similar. Um, you know, Fernando came out the blocks as a young kid and won two championships with Renault, then thought he'd go off to you know the greener grass of the other side of the fence sort of thing, and um, it, it didn't really work out with his moves to McLaren and then back to Renault, then Ferrari, and then back to McLaren. He's never really achieved what he's capable of, and I'm sure Vettel wants to look in. You know, he's retired. You know, has he got all the championships he deserves? Now he's won four of the things already, but you know that was with one particular car and one particularly dominant car. Um, he hasn't achieved what Schumacher achieved when he went to Ferrari and moulded the team around him and became successful that way. You're probably never going to see that these days uh, with the money floating around and the competitiveness um, be- between manufacturers. But um, I-, I think Sebastian's probably looking at his career in the long term and thinking, I don't want to box myself into a deal here that I can't get out of. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they do try and get if not a short-term contract, but a contract that has a breaking clause in it uh, that would allow him to to move on if a Mercedes or a Red Bull or a McLaren drive became available. A, a McLaren drive? Does he really want that? Well, <laughs> Speaking of McLaren, I I'm, so, I, I'm sorry. People, you know, just talking about that briefly, you know, okay, the Hungara ring was the track that will suit Honda. There's no doubt about that. But you can say what you like. They are improving. They are slowly, slowly getting better. And, you know, if Honda, my opinion on it is if Honda stick to it, they will be successful. Oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely yeah. no history, history proves that, yeah. I mean, Honda, yeah, Honda, Honda's yeah. down, down, but never out, yeah. Uh, but do you see Alonso in a McLaren with a Honda next year? Yes, I do. I think it's gone very, very quiet. I think if there was some real moving and some real movement and some, you know, him going to another car or even another series, you'd heard a lot more, you know, two months ago there was all this, oh, if we not, if McLaren aren't winning races by Hungara Ring, I'm going to leave, or whatever date he gave, maybe it was Singapore or one of these races. I think he said uh, by September is what he said. Yeah. If we don't win by so September, it, I'm it, out. It yeah. is the European season then. You know, and you know, no offense, they're not going to be winning races by uh, September, but you know, that, that drum that he's been banging has gone pretty quiet, and you know, maybe there's you know, maybe he knows more about what's going on within the inner workings of Honda than than journalists do. Um, I think that there's the 
I yeah, I think there's a potential that Honda will step up and will develop, and they are getting better. There is no doubt about that, and they are getting more and more competitive. And Hungaro Ring showed that that McLaren chassis is a pretty damn good chassis. You know, they've got the uh, their head of aero used to be Adrian Newey's right hand man at uh, at Red Bull, so he's brought a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience there. And maybe in the first year or so that he was there, it took him a while to step out of Adrian Newey's shadow and and set that uh, whole deal up himself. But uh, it wouldn't, uh, it really, really wouldn't surprise me if they don't start to succeed. And on the flip side, where would McLaren go? Uh, both Ferrari and Mercedes have brought out to flying an engine. Would they want a Renault engine? Are Renault engines any better than Honda engines at the moment? Maybe that's what they're stuck with. And again, you know, McLaren are not an organisation. You look back through their history, they're not an organisation that will play second fiddle to a manufacturer team. They wouldn't. I never, when they, this rumour came out about that they were starting to, you know, talk to Mercedes for a 2018 engine deal, I'm sure that was just to try and, you know, kick Honda more than anything because there is no way that, um, and I know they're under new ownership now, but the philosophy of McLaren would not be to be a customer team. It just wouldn't work. I mean, they did it for a few years before Mercedes started to dominate, but um, I, I can't see that happening. And again, could you ever really see McLaren running a Ferrari engine? You know, No, I mean, that's, yeah, you're talking, <laughs> yeah, that's, you uh, know. The, the, so, that's, uh, that's a sign of the apocalypse. Exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, Richard, yeah. one, one more Formula One question. Before we uh, close for the evening, um, Robert Kubica uh, had another test with Renault. This time in the 2017 car, very successful test. He was he was fourth quick of all the drivers there in the test. Uh, do you think there is real interest in putting him in that car um, in 2018? In uh, you know over Jordan Palmer. Um, Oh, uh, do you think I, uh, do you think Robert is is because I mean I've heard that uh, this is all a PR stunt, um, but every time Robert gets in the car, uh, he's rather impressive. I mean, the first but to, to to address that that PR stunt perspective, you know we're not you know Formula One teams don't play little games like that these days. The track time and the data they collect from these tests, with the limited amount of testing they have, is so valuable then, you know, Renault are not going to play these games. Uh, whether you'll see uh, him in a, you know, making his return at Melbourne, I don't think he'll make a return at Melbourne. Uh, I think he'll make a return before then. Um, I genuinely believe that you could see him in a car the first race post-Spa. I, I read something, again, you read, you know, comment and, and a rumour, that uh, Jolyon Palmer is a pay drive. He brings money to Renault through sponsorship, and that money has been paid up to post uh, Spa. There's a little bit of a sort of a set to between the team and the sponsors. The sponsors are only going to give Renault more money if Renault are going to guarantee that Palmer will be in the car through the end of the season. Renault aren't going to guarantee that, so the sponsors aren't going to put the money up um it wouldn't surprise me if um you know you don't see him in a car this year i mean it makes sense if I, I, mean, yeah. I mean they've, they've given him test, test after test 
and he's he's, yeah. he's impressed every time. So I, I think yeah. the guy's ready for a comeback. Uh, and and re- recall his his early years in the the junior series. Man, he was every bit as good as the uh, guys he was running against, which were guys, is, guys like is, Hamilton, you know, Vettel, those guys. Hamilton will tell you that that Kubica is the one guy that he he respected, and he has, you know. When they talk, when when Hamilton talked about him, he's like, "Yeah, he's, you know, he's the deal." Um, so it, I say, it wouldn't surprise me. And if if Renault are investing as heavily as it appears to be with their en- number of engineers they're recruiting over the last few months, and they're having a a serious push to become a a contender for uh, 2018 with with um, you know Hulkenberg, who obviously got a, a extremely t- talented driver there. You know, if you have the opportunity to get, you know, a number of races with Kubica back in there to, to give him some track time, to give him some, you know, the ability to 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 regain that sort of cut and thrust of, um, you know, driving an F1 car again, um, and you know that Palmer's out, and you may lose a few million dollars here and there in sponsorship, but you know what? You bite the bullet and you go for it. Outstanding, yeah. I really hope that happens. You know, that would be good. You know, everybody loves this, a, everybody loves a feel good comeback story. Yeah, this is no disrespect to Julian Palmer, but in all fairness, he didn't have a fantastic 2016. I think the only reason he kept the um, either the drive this year was because Magnussen left to go to Haas. I think if Magnussen stayed, you'd see Magnussen and and Hulkenberg. So. I think he was a little bit on borrowed time. I think what you saw at uh, Hungary when Hulkenberg got passed and he pulled away at like three quarters of a second a lap, it, you know, you've had, you, you know, as, as much as I, 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 I don't like the concept of swapping drivers mid-season, but the kids had a fair crack at it, you know, and, and thanks, but just can't quite cut it and, you know, go and do Formula E or touring cars or Le Mans or something. All right. Great insights, Richard, man. That, that was a good Formula One talk. So, well, guys, we are, like, way in overtime. We're green-white checker. So uh, let, let's go around the table and get some final thoughts uh, for the week. And, uh, Gray, I'll start with you. You've been a little quiet here as we've been running through Formula One. So, uh, Gray, what's oh, your Oh, I've been enjoying, enjoying the talk. Uh, final thoughts for the weekend. Uh, you know, uh, Michigan coming up. Again, we're, we're getting down to uh, really what uh, four? What, how many is it? Four or five races remaining? Four races remaining, I think, uh, before we go to the uh, to the playoffs. So uh, people are going to have to start making some moves. Uh, like you talked about, Joey Logano really needs to kind of erase that encumbered win. Uh, got guys like uh, uh, Clint Boyer and Chase Elliott that still would like to pick up. Uh, Pick up a win and 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 get in the chase. So uh, and, I think uh, the next Ken- few Kenseth is right there. He, he's right, Kenseth right there right too. There on the bubble, yeah. So uh, we've got uh, got some interesting uh, things coming up the next few weeks. So so Michigan is just going to kick uh, kick these uh, kick this next month off uh, before the playoffs. Absolutely. All right. Now, Seth, you got some final thoughts for the night. Uh, Daryl Walls Jr. will return to racing this weekend. Uh, he will be in the truck series in the number 99 MDM Motorsports Chevrolet Silverado, sponsored by Maestro Classic. 
All right, good for Daryl. Now, now, Seth. Now, as long as we're talking about Bubba Wallace, right? I, you know, he had a shot uh, with the Petty organization. You know, filling in for a while. Um, do you think there's a full-time Cup ride uh, in 2018 on the radar for him? Well, like I said, there's there's some open spots so- here and there, and we've talked about the uh, the youth movement. Um, is is there any well, place, uh, place you see him fitting in quite nicely? Well, what I will say is Petty has expressed interest in uh, trying to find sponsorship to run Bubba in a second car. Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal, who broke the news about William Byron, has mentioned that Nickelodeon is expressing interest in possibly sponsoring Daryl uh, Wallace Jr. So Nickelodeon, the, uh, maybe the television network. The, Yes. Oh, excellent, yeah. So, maybe we'll see that come together, maybe we won't, but at least there's someone looking at sponsoring Daryl Wallace Jr. Yeah, that's outstanding. I hadn't heard that about Nicola. That's pretty cool. That's really cool, yeah. Anything else, that before uh, before we sign off? Uh, unless Richard has some final thoughts. Well, yeah, Richard's next. <laughs> 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 So you're good. So Richard, yeah. your your final I'm thought good. for the night. Um, um you know, we, we've talked about it a lot tonight, but uh, silly season. It's brilliant. It, you know, it's like watching an episode of like the Kardashians or something. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it really is. It's so much fun. It 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 just it it's almost like an, a, a completely separate sport to, to the racing. The racing's like a a byproduct or a, or a separate uh, separate set of uh, what you see going on with with the silly season, the driver markets, and the the posturing and the movement. I, I think it's brilliant. I, I, I love silly season and uh, you know where people are going to end up and who says what about who and who pays what. It, it's brilliant. I love it. And uh, you know, almost you almost want the maximum contract to be a year for any racing driver, just so we can. Have more of this every year. I love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. You know, and my final thought. I'm just going to piggyback on yours, Richard, because uh, this silly season is is shaping up to be probably the biggest in NASCAR we've seen in in a number of years. Um, IndyCar up in the air. I mean, the biggest the biggest uh, uh, shooter drop there is uh, will Michael Andretti move his Honda team to Chevrolet? And if that happens, you're going to see a bunch of uh, a bunch of different fallout uh, with uh, drivers moving here and there. If if Michael stays with Honda, it won't be quite as <coughs> quite as dramatic. But um, we're going to see a big shakeup in both those series, uh, Formula One. We're going to see a little shakeup uh, uh, here and there. You know, most of the top guys will probably stay where they're at, but. Um, uh, you know, it's all interesting. And this time of the year, we've got uh, – uh, the thing I hate about this time of the year is, uh, you know, NASCAR is gearing up for their chase. Um, Formula One's on their break. And IndyCar, we only have four races left for the championship. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the short season for, for IndyCar. But, the, the, man, the title fight for IndyCar is going to come down to the wire. Uh, you've got a lot of really – Really good cars right there at the top between New Garden, Pagano, Dixon's right there in the mix. Will Powers in the mix? Um, 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great uh, next four races for IndyCar. It'll it'll go by so quick, and 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 then I'll then I'll be missing it. So, and speaking of missing it, we uh, I'll be missing uh, you viewers till next week. Uh, but I want to thank you, Richard, Seth, Gray. I uh, appreciate you all three coming on the show tonight. Love talking to you guys every week. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network uh, for hosting our show. Uh, guys, this is Drafting the Circus. My name is Frank Santoroski. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.